Yes, Lord, we thank you today for your powerful name. And we gather in your name this morning, God. All over this town, all over this county, and even all over the world, Lord, we gather in your name. And Father, today as we gather in the name of Jesus, we place ourselves under your name, Jesus, in every way. For our salvation, but also for our well-being as we are in troubled times. Jesus, thank you that you said you've overcome the world. And we rest in that today. So we receive Jesus from you today, your comfort, your strength, your encouragement, uh, lifting us up in our hearts, Lord Jesus. And we receive from you grace, Lord, and peace. And Lord Jesus, we pray that we would be able to live in your power and in all that you've done for us, Lord Jesus. And God, today I lift up every family that's connected to us through this service. God, we are the church at home. God, just bless every family that's watching today, every person that's watching today, Lord. Give them a real sense of your presence as we are connected with your spirit. God, we want to lift up those people that are still serving in the healthcare industry and first responders, Lord, that you'd give them strength and courage, restoration. Uh, help them to step into what it is you've called them to do for such a time as this. We're grateful for every person that is serving us in this way. God, we're also aware of some families that have lost loved ones this past week. We want to lift them up to you today, Lord Jesus. We lift up the Barron family for Lori's loss of her mom, the DeMeyer family, Amy's loss of her dad, Barb Pitt's family, her loss of her mom, the Stoffer family, loss of their grandma, Judy. The Gish family, Christine's loss of her stepdad. The Hoyer family and their loss of their mom and grandma, Grace. Lord, we just lift up all these families to you. And we know that loss is hard anytime. But Jesus, as we're not even able to properly celebrate their lives together as a community, Lord, we just lift these families up to you. And pray that you would draw near to them, Lord Jesus. And you would be their comfort in this time. Truly, Lord Jesus, we keep our eyes on you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And we look to you, Jesus, and we look to heaven and we look to eternity as we have hope for all that you are and all that you've prepared for us. And we thank you for this. Thank you for this time of worship together. Thank you for your word that's going to encourage us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Everybody in your homes, amen, right? So be it. God is so good. Hey, again, I'm Pastor Kurt, and I know that there are people joining us for the first time today. We're hearing about that all the time, so welcome. Uh, we're glad that you're having church at home with us today. And I just want to say I've been hearing great things about the church. I've been hearing about you guys out there. You are the church, right? I've been hearing about you helping people. I've been hearing about you uh, helping with bills, paying one another's bills. I've been hearing about you coming alongside with meals. Uh, you know, I was out outside the other day, and our, our neighbor boy, Evan, was mowing their lawn, the neighbor's lawn. And uh, he came over and mowed part of our lawn. And I just thought that was awesome, little things that, that really matter. So thank you for all you're doing. Here's a couple of pictures of ways that you, the church, have gotten involved. Uh, this is a picture of people cutting out fabric for medical cots that are being made um, by Christensen Net, Brian Davidson and his crew uh, at a nonprofit. Here's some of our people. There's Marlis 
And, and there's uh, Scott, you know, holding up some of the fabric. Twenty people from our church got involved with this project, and we're cutting vinyl in their homes for these hundreds and hundreds of cots that are going to go out uh, probably here but around the states as well possibly. And then we have the mask makers, and uh, this is Amy Van Dalen's kitchen table. And I know I've heard of many of you guys making masks, jumping into that part of the projects. So thank you so much for all the different ways that you are helping and that you're getting involved. It's pretty awesome. So again, I mean, if you've been with us for a while, you know about the communication card. But let me just mention it to you. Maybe your first time with us. If you have any prayer needs or any needs for help in any way, on your screen today is a communication card. You can just click on it. And you can tell us what your needs are, tell us what your prayers are. And I want to mention this um, about about the giving. So because, you know, in this time, many people have lost jobs or it's just a difficult time financially for them. I want you to know that we are here to help you with that as well. So I want you to know that you can let us know about your needs and we can talk with you about how we can help you pay a bill or possibly if you can't pay rent, help you do that. So we are here for you. We have people walking in and saying, hey, here's some money. We want to help our community. So um, if you need help, let us know about that. On the other side of things, if you're able to give, uh, here's the way that you give. Just look on your screen, hit the give button, and, uh, and you can give. And part of your money that you give will go to help out people right here in your community. And part of it will go to help feed people around the world in India and Nepal and different places that we help. So just know that that's available to you, but we really want you to know, church, that we're here for you to help you if you have a need, okay? A couple other things I want to mention to you this morning uh, before we jump into the message. And the first thing is that this is Good Friday coming up. So we have a communion service, a worship service planned for you. We're going to do that here, five or six of us. Uh, we're going to plan some worship. Becky's got some great ideas. We're going to come into your homes with some great worship. But also we're going to be serving communion. I'll be leading you through communion. And so what we want you to do is go down to the store this week, pick up the elements that can be a, you know, a taco shell. It can be a piece of bread. Uh, Jesus doesn't care, you know. It can be some juice. So pick up what you need. And be ready to share a communion meal together uh, as a part of our Good Friday service. It's going to be great. You can serve each other and your family and do that. I want to mention to you another great way to stay connected is through our online Bible study. We're going to be kicking off a brand new study tomorrow on Monday in Colossians. Uh, I have about 400 people that join me uh, every morning of the week. I get up early and I prepare a couple of verses for you. Uh, I'll make some comments. You can make comments if you want, but you don't have to. But what a great way for us to stay connected through the Word of God, around the Word of God. So join us with that. We would love that. And then finally, another great thing coming up this week on Monday. This Monday, tomorrow, uh, Becky's going to lead you through at our lunchtime worship. is going to lead you through a time of extended worship using the hymns and choruses that we love so much. So if you love hymns and choruses, join us. I think her husband Maddie's going to be with us. I might chime in a little bit if they let me. Um, but join us for an hour, hour and a half of some great hymns and some great old choruses. Again, welcome to Palm Sunday. Enjoy your time with us this morning.
Well, happy Palm Sunday to everyone. And if I'm honest, it feels a little weird, doesn't it? It doesn't really feel like Palm Sunday. I think it's because of the whole COVID-19 thing. We're all quarantined and under house arrest. Uh, is it me or does anyone else feel like, man, like you got put in, you were in trouble from the government and they put you in timeout and sent you in your room and you're like, when can I come out? And they're like, I don't know, two weeks. No, four weeks. No, don't ask. We'll tell you when you can come out of your room. And it's just, it's been hard. We've been locked down and we can't do anything. Um, I mean, thank God they didn't take away our cell phones too. That would have been, oh, could you imagine doing this without a phone or Wi-Fi? Oh man, it would be terrible. And let's be honest, some of us, we're handling this a lot better than other people are right now. I feel like all the introverts, man, they are living their best life right now. They're like, what problem? I don't, I'm not inconvenienced at all. This is great. They've already read like 14 books. They've organized all their Pinterest boards and they've got all these home improvement projects that they've already taken care of. And man, the introverts are crushing it right now. And if you're an introvert and you know an extrovert, would you reach out to them? Because they are struggling right now. And don't send them a text either. They don't, they don't need that. They, they need FaceTime, Skype, Zoom, whatever it is that you use. But they need to see like, like eyeball to eyeball. They need that, that personable touch. They need to feel like, oh man, there's actually people in the world and they can exist and get a hold of them. Now, however you're coping and living life during this whole process, one thing I think we can all agree on is this, is that while everyone's waiting, the internet right now is a gold mine of creativity. Um, like you, I've certainly received my fair share of people um, sending me all these posts and all these memes and uh, these funny quotes and things. And so since I've got a lot of time and quite frankly, you've got a lot of time and we're all just kind of killing time, I figured I'd share a couple with you. So uh, here, indulge me for a moment. Here's the first one. It says this, since everyone has started washing their hands like we're supposed to, we'll be working on shapes and colors next week. I love that. I think that's so good. Here's the next one. When you leave your family to go buy groceries and toilet paper, it's like, I'll pray for you. Good luck. And if you've ever gotten that phone call from your boss, right, you have like this feeling right now. When your boss calls to see what you've been working on all day, you're like, ah, well, I got this rubber pencil thing happening right here. And as I'm sharing this right now, I think it's funny because half of you in the room have picked up your pens or pencils that you use for notes and you're already trying to figure out how to do the rubber pencil thing. Uh, stick with it. You'll get it. It's real easy. And then uh, this is my favorite video. Check this one out. I think it's hilarious. So however you're killing time and passing the days and whatever it is that you're doing, um, know that you're not alone. The internet is here for you. And uh, with our creativity combined, I think we'll make it through. I do want to ask this question, though. Since we're all on the same page here, we're all experiencing the reality of COVID-19 and we're all processing and working through this thing together. We're all waiting. I, I want us to tackle this question this morning. What does it look like for us to wait well? During this process, how, what should we be doing in the waiting? Is, is there something we should do? Are there things that we shouldn't be doing while we're waiting? Um, are we sitting around waiting or can we be pr- productive during this period of time? Like what should we all be doing? Because we are, we're all waiting. And specifically, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, what would Christ have you do during this waiting 
period. As we try and navigate the realities of COVID-19 and businesses and being under house arrest and all of this, what, what does it mean for you and I to wait well? And so we're in this series called Focus Faith, and it's, today is actually the last day of the series. We've gone through 1 Peter, and we're marching through 2 Peter, and we're going to be in the last chapter, which is chapter 3 today. And it's interesting, through First and Second Peter, throughout these letters, Peter has written the churches, and he's instructed them, and he said, Hey, I want to tell you who God is. I want to tell you what he's like, what he thinks, what he feels, how he acts and moves in the world. And so he's trying to create a proper theology for people to understand. And not only that, and he's saying, in light of who God is, this is how you should act in the churches. And then he gets a little bit more specific. And he says, many of you, you're going to be persecuted because of what you believe. And here's how I want you to endure the persecution. While you're waiting for that to end, here's how I want you to live. This is how you're going to wait well. And he says, stay the course. Hold on to your faith. Double down on it. Don't go out chasing these new religions or new ideas. He says, hold firm to the gospel truth of Jesus Christ. And eventually, in due time, your enemies will come and you will win them over. And they will see you and they will see your God and the goodness that he provides. And last week we also talked about, again, these false teachers, right, who are proclaiming new things. They're looking at at Jesus and they're looking at God and they're sitting there going, well, God should be acting this way. He should do A, B, C, and D and he's not doing that. So maybe... Maybe what we thought about God isn't real, and maybe God is more like this. And they're coming up with new ideas and new, cha- uh, new teachings, and they're taking the current teachings of Jesus Christ, and they're twisting them. They're making adjustments, and they're morphing them. They're adding things to it, or they're taking things away. And Peter goes, no, 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 no. Remember, remember, remember the gospel truth of Jesus Christ. And as we round the corner and we get into chapter 3, Peter's going to instruct the church to wait for something very specific. In light of all these things that you're doing, something is about to happen. I want you to wait for it. And since we're all friends here, I feel like I can share with you. But just let's keep it here in the room between you and I. What Peter's going to talk about and what we're going to explore in this chapter is something that I rarely, if ever, think about in my life. It does not impact my day-to-day reality. And there's a problem with that. And Peter's going to instruct me, and he's going to instruct you. He's going to instruct all of us that says, no, no, no. This thing that we're waiting for, this is foundational to the gospel message. This is foundational to what it means to follow Jesus Christ. We have to get this. And if we get this, we're going to learn how to wait well. And Peter's talking to the church, and he's talking about the return of Jesus Christ. You may know it by the second coming or maybe some other phrases. But the idea is this, that, man, Jesus went away, and he's actually he's going to come back. And when he comes back, he's going to set right all of the wrongs, and he's going to judge the world and humanity. And it's going to be a glorious day for those of us that follow Jesus Christ and call him our Lord and Savior. And so Peter is urging the churches, he says, stay the course. And while you wait, here's what you should do. And I think this is a wonderful tie into where just the reality of you and I of where we're living today is we are waiting. We're waiting for COVID-19 to just end, <laughs> to run its course. And quite frankly, as Christians, we should be waiting for Christ to return as well. And so that's what I want to look at today. But I, I don't want to assume that we're all on the same page. I mean, many of you turning, tuning in, you're Christians and you've, you've been involved in church. Uh, many of you, you've also, you've kind of come back. Maybe you grew up in church and then you kind of went away from it and COVID-19 is 
kind of made you ask some questions and you're searching for answers and you're coming back. And there's probably a bunch of you that are tuning in online because you've tried everything else and you thought, well, why don't I just give church a shot? And if that's you, man, I am so glad you're here. I'm so excited you're here. Thanks for for tuning in and uh, stick with us. We're going to give you some hope and we're going to give you some encouragement. So I want to set the scene so we're all on the same page here. And what I'm going to try to do in the next couple minutes is um, summarize the whole biblical story in just a handful of bullet points. And so now is a good time if you've got a piece of paper or a pen uh, or both would actually help. Uh, pull those out because we're going to, like I said, we're going to summarize the biblical narrative because it's going to help us learn how to wait well why we wait for Jesus's return. So here's the first one. In the beginning, God created, right? So if you're doing a, a, if you're taking notes on the biblical narrative, just write down the word creation. He created Adam and Eve. He created the world. He created everything. And there were, he, he created this garden, the garden of Eden, and you could do whatever you wanted. You could play, you could have fun. Adam and Eve could do all these amazing things. There was just one rule, just one <laughs> Just don't break the one rule. And you and I know the human tendency is to go, if someone says you can't do this, it's to go and do it. And so God said, hey, you can enjoy everything, you can eat of everything, but don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And sure enough, that's what Adam and Eve did. And Eve gets a lot of, uh, you know, shame and I guess credit, for lack of a better word, uh, for being the first one to eat of the fruit. But I just want to remind you, Adam was right there with her, like watching the whole time. He very easily could have like spoken up and said something, but he didn't. Both of them are at fault. And because of that, what they did when they disobeyed God, sin entered the world. And so that's number two in your notes, sin. And it basically, sin is just a a great church word for saying you, you screwed up. You missed the mark. You disobeyed God. God said, hey, do this, and you didn't do it. Or God said, don't do this, and you did this. That's the case of Adam and Eve. And so they got kicked out of the garden. Now, they had kids. Their kids had kids. Their kids' kids had kids, and so on and so forth. You you get the point. And somewhere along the line, God calls out a man named Abram. And he says, out of you, we're going to make a great nation, and you're going to bless all the other nations. And Abram goes, great. We don't have any kids. How exactly is that going to happen? And God says, don't worry about it. I got a plan. So God works a miracle. They have kids. You fast forward and they have kids, have kids, have kids, have kids. Boom, 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 boom. You get the small nation of Israel. And right around this time where Israel is growing up, they're becoming a nation. They're getting some people. Their population is growing. Egypt enslaves them. And says, hey, we better, we better get this thing under control because they're just growing and growing and growing like crazy. So let's put them to work. And they put them to work. And then God, God calls up a guy named Moses. Maybe you've seen the movie, um, but you've probably heard the phrase like, let my people go, right? This is Moses going to Pharaoh saying, let my people go. And eventually God frees them. And they're on their journey to the promised land. And while they're on their journey to the promised land, God gives them a set of rules, set of laws that they have to follow. And when they don't follow those laws, when they sin, here's a list of sacrifices that they can do so that they can then be in right standing with God again. Because again, the whole idea is if you live this way, you're going to bless all the other nations. And like Adam and Eve and like you and I, they sin. They don't hold up to the standards, right? They sin. And so what happens is God removes his hand of protection on Israel and other nations come in and they start fighting. There's armies, they take over Israel, they get punished. Israel rallies back, they repent, they come back to God and good things happen. And there's this cycle that just repeats over and over and over and over again. 
And it gets really bad, honestly, and they get exiled. Israel gets exiled, and eventually they come back. And all the while, God is speaking through prophets, these people that says, hey, hold on, God's at work here. A savior is coming. A Messiah is coming. The chosen one is coming. Hang tight. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And then, and then, it's quiet. It's quiet for four Hundred years. Your Old Testament in your Bible, it ends and there are 400 years of silence. No man of God, no woman of God speaking. Thus saith the Lord. Here's what God would have us, have us do. It's quiet. That's a long time to wait, isn't it? And then something happens. A baby boy is born. This baby boy is born of a virgin named Mary. And this is the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one, right? This is also Christmas. <laughs> this is, and we celebrate it by buying a lot of presents for each other. No, I'm just kidding. But this is Christmas and we know this. And Jesus will grow up from a baby boy into a man and he will teach us how to live. He says, if you want to know what God the Father is like, you look at me. Look at how I love. Look at how I treat look, people. Look at how I forgive people, how I heal people. This is the heart of God. And then after Christmas, the church celebrates Easter, don't we? This is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, the law was fulfilled in him, and Jesus is the eternal sacrifice for your sins, for my sins, for the sins of the world. In John 3, 16, if, man, if God so loved the world, he sent his son. If you believe in him, boom, everlasting life. That's the Easter message. This is the good news, and Christians love this. And so Jesus dies, and three days later, he resurrects, and he's hanging out with his disciples on the mountaintop, and he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, I want you to do something. I could easily do it, but I want you to do it. And he says, I want you to make disciples of everybody. I want you to baptize people. I want you to teach them everything that I've taught you. I want them to live how I live. I want them to treat people how I treat people. I want them to worship and follow God how I've worshiped and followed God. And then, poof, he ascends into the clouds. He disappears. But before he disappears, he says, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. I'm going to get you. And we're going to judge all of humanity. We're going to judge the world. And then after you have, after he ascends in, into heaven, you have the return of Christ, the second coming, and then you get eternity. And this is eternity with God. This is eternity without God. And you and I, we get to choose, don't we? Which one we want to have. Now, here's, here's my conviction. My conviction is, is simply this. The church does a great job of Christmas, of celebrating the birth of Christ. We do a wonderful job celebrating and remembering the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we, of Easter. We, do, we throw a huge party, and we should, because it's a big deal. And my story is that I missed the return of Jesus Christ. That wasn't a part of the curriculum that I was taught when I grew up in church. It wasn't made a big deal. We just focused on eternity. So we celebrated Christmas, we celebrated Easter, and man, we looked forward to spending eternity with Jesus once we died. But the problem is that I missed this whole big thing all throughout Scripture, all throughout the New Testament, the teachings of Jesus, the teachings of Paul and Peter that say, hey, live your life in such a way. Live your life in such a way that when Jesus returns, because he is, that he's going to be excited. Like, think of it this way. If you were living your life and you knew Jesus was coming back, what would you want him to see you doing when he, came, when he comes back? Like, this is the whole gospel teaching. This is all of it. This is the fullness of it. It's not just Christmas, Easter, and then heaven. It's not that. It is the return of Jesus Christ. He is coming back. He told us he would. 
And friends, my story is that I just, if I'm honest with you, I don't live that way. I woke up this morning thinking about the return of Jesus Christ because I'm supposed to teach from it. But a week ago, I woke up and didn't think about it. I thought about the coronavirus. I thought about taking care of my kids. I thought about my family and what we're going to do and what games we should play and funny things on the internet, right? Like, like you, like what you did. But the scriptures are very clear that you and I are supposed to live in such a way that we're expecting Jesus Christ to come back. And if we truly believe that he's coming back and if we expect him to come back, we ought to live in a certain way. So the question is this, what do we do while we're waiting for him to come back? What do we do? How do we wait well for the return of Jesus? Peter is writing to the church and he's going to answer that. He's got some observations and some things for you and I to do. So if you've got your Bible, Second Peter chapter 3, it's the last chapter in Second Peter, and we'll pick it up in verse 3. He says this, most importantly, most importantly, this is the most important thing. Is this right here? Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. And here's what they're going to say. Here's how they're going to mock us. They will say this. What happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again from before the time of our ancestors? Everything has remained the same since the world was first created. If Jesus is coming back, he hasn't come back yet, is he? So what, huh? When's he coming back? Is he going to do anything about the state of the world right now? A modern day version of scoffing and and mocking would simply be this. If your God is so good, why isn't he doing anything with the coronavirus? Hello. Do something. If God is so loving, he would move. And I don't see him moving anywhere. He would take this away. And I don't see him taking this thing away. Where is your God now? We're waiting. I mean, this is a modern scoffing and a modern mocking of what's happening. Now, check this out. Here's Peter's response, verse 8. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Did you get it? Let me read it again. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. So in your notes, number one, while you're waiting, number one, remember God's timing is rarely ever our timing. Just is. I wrestled with a couple of people in the office over the, the proper wording of this. I wanted to use the word never because that's been my experience. God's timing has never been my timing. I always wanted things way sooner and God's trying to teach me patience. And he's like, hey, I got this thing. I got a plan, but it's going to work on my timetable, not your timetable. But I, I don't want to assume that everybody is wired like I am. I just want to assume that maybe 99.5% of the world is wired like I am. I'm sure there's a couple of you that are like, I wait on the Lord. His timing is good, and I've never had an issue with it. And if that's you, um, would you teach me how? That would be awesome. <laughs> But for the rest of us, for the rest of us, we need to remember that God's timing is rarely ever our timing. And if a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day, um, it simply means this, that God's been gone for like a weekend. That's it. He's been gone for a weekend. That's not long at all. The church age that we find ourselves in today, the church has been around for two days. (laughs) That's it. We've done pretty good for two days. I think it's been a good run. It hasn't been long at all. And the problem is, again, you and I, we tend to think that God should operate off of our timetable. 
off of our wants, off of our needs and what's most convenient for us. And the problem is we're not God. God is God. And he knows things that you and I don't know. And he's considered things that you and I haven't considered. And he's got a plan that is far better than anything you and I could ever dream up. But we just keep trying to get God and force him into our little box and make him work and function the way that we think he ought to work and function and interact in the world. And I got to be honest, though, because I've prayed prayers and I've asked God to help us find a place to live, to help us pay some bills, to help uh, grow our family, to give us community. And I don't want to say that God's timing has ever been late in my life, but it feels like it's always been the 11th hour. And many of you, you've probably experienced this as well. You, you would just, you'd say his timing is late, but you've prayed prayers. You, maybe, maybe you're the family and you've struggled to get pregnant and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And it could be that in the 11th hour, when you think all hope is lost, that that's when God works a miracle. Same thing with your business. It's struggling right now. The economy is sure taking a hit. And you're wondering, okay, God, I don't know that I can make it another day. And God goes, I got you. Fear not. I've got a plan. And it's going to work on my timetable, not on yours. So I need you to hold tight. And I can just share from my experience, but one of the lessons I learned in that is that after I've exhausted all of my options, all of my resources, I've planned all my plans and they didn't work, then God moves. And I think he's doing that in my life to simply say, hey, Steve, I just need you to trust me first. Stop trying to control everything and trust me because I have a plan. And by the way, my timing is not your timing, but my timing is better than your timing. And by the way, it will always be better than your timing. Let's keep reading. Verse nine, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. As some people think, no, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. That's why he's taken a while to come back. That's why it feels like it's been a very, very long time. He's saying, I don't want to destroy everyone. I want to give everyone a chance to put their faith in my son, Jesus Christ. That's what God is up to. He wants everyone to repent. And repent is kind of this churchy word. And sometimes it can feel like a lot of condemnation and shame. But repent is really, it's rethink your thinking. That's really what that means. So a great example, if you're walking this way and you want to repent of how you've walked, simply turn around and start walking the other way. That's what he's saying. Peter's saying, hey, the life that you have lived, the foundation that you have built your life on, I want you to rethink that. I want you to build it on the teachings of Jesus. I want you to repent. I want him to be your hope, your savior. Not some plan that you dreamed up that you think is going to be amazing. That is what it means to go and to repent. And Jesus is going, I'm not coming back yet because I want people to repent. I want them to put their faith in me. I want to have a relationship with them. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything in it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. Number two, live like Jesus really is coming back because he is live like jesus really is coming back 
And let me share this. Um, don't focus on the details. The problem is when you and I and the church as a whole, we start focusing on the details of how and when he's coming back. We miss the fundamental teaching. And I would argue the main point of this passage is to live like he's coming back. Don't try and figure it out. In fact, only the father knows. Jesus didn't even know. You can read about it in Matthew chapter 24. He's like, no one knows. And when I come back, it's going to be like a thief in the night. You're not going to know. This is up for the, the father to decide. So read about it in, chap- in Matthew chapter 24. It's fascinating. But the problem is we tend to focus on the details and we get preoccupied with all that stuff. And it leads us to living without any action, without being obedient. There's things that Jesus would have us do. And when we focus on the details over here, we're not doing the things that he wants us to do. There's, there's a great book by a guy named, uh, his last name is Boyer. I believe it's, it's called When Time Shall Be No More. And he took American history, uh, modern history, and he traced it all the way back. And um, he records all the predictions that people have made for when Jesus is going to come back. Right, like some of them, these are global events. Some of these are just uh, events that happened in America. But uh, World War II, right? Hitler, he was the Antichrist. For sure, Jesus is coming back. And, and he didn't. Um, a couple other ones, you, when Russia became a superpower, when Israel became a nation, like, oh, he's coming. Jesus is coming back. It's not happening. 9-11, when that happened, oh, for sure, Jesus is coming back. And no, he hasn't come back. Uh, some of you, you even jumped on this bandwagon. You're like, Obama, like he's the Antichrist. Jesus is coming back. It's going to kick it in. That didn't happen. So others of you are like, it's Trump. It's him. He's the Antichrist. He's going to kick off all these other things. And that hasn't happened yet either. And the whole point of his book, he goes all throughout American history. And we've been wrong on every single one of them. And his point in the book is simply this. Stop. You're missing the point. Stop trying to predict with your flow charts and your graphs and, you know, your boards with your pins and arrows and lines drawn everywhere. He goes, stop. Live like he's coming back. Don't try and figure out when he's coming back because you've been wrong. And friends, every time you and I make a prediction and we are wrong, it gives ammo to all the scoffers and all the mockers of the world. So from the bottom of my heart, um, if that's you, please stop. You're making the rest of us look bad. The point is to focus on the return of Jesus and know that he's coming and live differently because he is coming. Not to try and figure out and coordinate Jesus' every move. You and I will miss it entirely. One last note on living like Jesus is coming back. Um, it's, I like to call it the fallacy of later. And the whole idea is this. Well, well I'll do it tomorrow. Sunday's my day off. I'm, I'm tuning into church, but I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it later. And you and I both know that later never really comes, does it? Because there's always a next day. There's always another time. And what Peter is urging the church to do is live now. Live today. Like Jesus is coming back. Let's keep going. We'll wrap it up. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will, will melt away in the flames. But we're looking forward to the new heaven and the new earth he has promised. A world filled with God's righteousness. Now, again, don't get lost in the details, right? We're going to set heaven on fire and the elements are going to melt away in the flames. What? What does that look like? No, 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 no. Stay the course. Stay on. Verse 14. And so, dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. Blameless, pure, and peaceful lives. Quick question. 
For those of you under house arrest and you've got your family or friends with you, whoever's with you, and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, would they describe your reaction to COVID-19 as peaceful? Like a, a peace that surpasses all understanding? A peace that comes from God? Just a thought. Just a question. And verse 15, our last verse. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. Number three in your notes, share the gospel story with everyone. You and I have nothing but time on our hands, which means we have great opportunity to go and share the gospel story with people. For some of you, it's going to require that you use your words. You actually speak and tell people, here's what my life was like before Jesus. I found Jesus or he found me. Here's what life is like now because of my relationship with Jesus. And you need to offer that story to people and you need to invite them into that story as well. Because you're sitting around with your family and I'm willing to bet there's a handful of you that are watching this as a family and you've got people in your family that don't believe what you do. What an amazing opportunity while we're all, you know, quarantined for you to go and share and have a spiritual conversation. I'm not talking about trying to like beat them down or force them and manipulate them to believe what you believe. No, no, no. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm simply talking about sharing the story, sharing your experience with Jesus with other people and asking them what they think what their experience is, asking them if they want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's others of you, you've been sharing that story, you've been sharing your your faith with other people through the words that you speak, but others of you have been doing this through the way you live, how you're responding to everything in this whole crazy coronavirus-y life that we're living right now. Like, you, you do, you have that peace that does surpass all understanding. You've been steady. Your foundation, because you've built it on Christ, it hasn't been shaken at all. And in fact, people are looking to you for help, for guidance, for wisdom, for leadership, for a way to see out of this thing, for a way to wait well while this whole thing just passes away and eventually ends. I think that's how you're preaching the gospel story to other people. And I I, I simply want to just share the gospel story with you. I don't want to assume that just because you're watching this that you actually have a relationship with Jesus. So I simply want to tell you there's a God and his name is Jesus and he loves you so much. And he's not threatened and he's not scared and he's not surprised by COVID-19. And he's got a plan. Not just for this, but he also has a plan for your life. And he loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. And in spite of who you've been and what you've done, he loves you. And if you put your faith in him, you get a relationship with God for eternity. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to judge the world. And you are in the family of God. And when that day comes, you get to spend eternity with God. All you have to do is confess in your heart. You just got to believe. It's John 3.16. It's the best verse in the whole Bible. So I simply want to lead you in a prayer. You can make these words your own words, but you, or you can say what I, I say. But if you would, bow your head. Close your eyes and just pray this prayer in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I don't know everything about you or what it means to follow you or put my faith in you. But today, today I'm going to take a step of faith and cross that line. And I'm going to give you the steering wheel of my life. You are in control. And you get to decide where I go through life. I release control of the plan and I simply follow you. Jesus, would you help me every day to learn how to best follow you. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. 
If you've prayed that prayer, the Bible teaches that there is a party, a massive celebration happening in heaven right now. And it's because of you and the decision that you've made. You are in the family of God and behalf, on, on behalf of everyone that is a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ. Welcome to the family. We're so glad you're here. In this moment that we're living in, where we're waiting For you and I to live like Jesus is coming back, I think it requires us to share the gospel story with each other. So imagine if we all did this, right? What what would your family look like? What would your household look like if we all sat around and we had these spiritual conversations of what Jesus was doing in our lives? (laughs) Imagine the healing that would take place. Imagine if... Imagine what the internet's going to look like if we all shared the gospel story. It's just videos are just being posted everywhere of people saying, hey, this was my life before Jesus Christ. I met him and this is my life after Jesus Christ. This is the hope I have. This is the peace I have. And you can have it too. You just got to believe. You just have to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And instead of all these memes and these funny videos popping up of what people are doing while they're waiting, it's story after story of lives being changed because people are sharing the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Imagine what our world is going to look like when this whole thing is done, because this will end, this will pass away. Imagine what the internet is going to look like. Imagine what the church is going to look like. Imagine what the life of your friends and your family is going to look like. Because in this opportunity, in this moment, we lived like Jesus is coming back today. So Father, that's our prayer. Lord, we pray that all of us, that we would share the gospel message with people. Lord, help us to live in such a way that we truly believe that you are, in fact, coming back. And Lord, I pray that when Jesus returns, he finds us doing things, loving people well, worshiping you, spending time in prayer, healing people, bearing one another's burdens. Father, I pray that he finds us loving well in the waiting period. Father, we love you. We thank you that you are God and we are not and that your timetable is better than ours. Remind us of that daily, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Now don't go anywhere. We're gonna sing a couple songs. We're gonna spend some time in worship.